This is Jim Semivan, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's Creator Network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's mission is to make podcast advertisements as easy and accessible to business owners as Google or Facebook. Host-read ads like this are the most effective form of podcast advertising. Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique to them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion. Zencaster's Creator Network is the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favourite creators like me. I've worked with Zencaster now for some time and they've truly put the content creators and the listeners at the heart of what they do. As a huge fan of podcasts myself, and I really mean that, I love podcasts, I often buy products or services that I find useful to me based on those pods that I'm listening to. It supports them and there's usually a good discount to go along with it. So if you're interested in sponsoring this show or another podcast with adverts for your business, go to zen.ai forward slash that UFO pod one that's the number one, or click the link in the description and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Do you think that these objects at large are observing as a species what we are? Um, I, 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 I don't think so. <clears throat> I think anything, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I mean, that's, the answer to the question is I don't know, but but looking at this, the, these are uh, these are entities or an intelligence that's been around forever. Uh, the fact that they're showing up in craft that may or may not be real. I mean, that may be physical and subjective at the same time. Um, that are able to do and it's incredible things. You know, are they waving hello to us? Are they basically saying we're here just so you know? Uh, but this whole idea of them observing us, there are so many ways to do this without <clears throat> showing themselves. They're creating something. I mean, they're 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 basically creating something. They're creating a, a theater, a piece of theater, I think, where they're saying, look, you know, we're here. And you can't make heads or tails of us. And this is what we can do. Uh, but really, you really don't know what we can do. Um, They're precognitive in the sense that they appear to know, you know, they can read the future. They they appear to know what, what what we're going to be doing when we don't even know what we're doing. And they, it's, it's like, well, you know, it's a classic control mechanism in a sense. I mean, are they directing us? I mean, are they really sort of moving the chess pieces for us and we're not even aware of it? I don't know. It's mind boggling to even think of all this. Um, you know, this whole, even this whole concept with hybridization and things along those lines, I mean, would you really have to tell people you're doing this? I mean, you know, wouldn't you just do it and put a false memory in there? And, you know, I mean, I remember in Passport to Begonia, you know, the new book, the Jacques thing, where he had an alien with a mask and then the mask had another mask and another mask. Said, you don't know how far, you know, you don't know. You don't know. I mean, it's, it's, and it creates this. I mean, it clearly is to me, at least it's, it's, it, it deliberately created this illusion. Right. And, um, and it's, I think it's meant to confuse us and confound us. Um, uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's very disturbing. And I, um, you know, people, 
you know, get angry with the government about not coming out, you know, with what they know. And um, I, I am of the opinion in, that they don't know much more than we do. I, I'll speak hypothetically here. You know, do they have physical evidence? Hypothetically speaking, in my opinion, I think they do. Um, do they understand what they have? Hypothetically, in my opinion, I doubt it. Uh, um, and my belief, my that that belief is based on um, information I know for a fact about. Um, uh, how do I put this? Uh, uh, in the government, everything runs on money. Right, it's funding, and you fight for that money. Everybody fights for the money, right? And if, if you ever been to a Pentagon uh, meeting where they quote unquote rack and stack projects, I mean the knives come out. I mean, you know, because you're talking, you know, fifty million dollar programs, and this is even the big, the billion dollar programs. Those are all set in stone, usually at a higher level. When you start fighting for small amounts of money, you know, when I say small, twenty, fifty, hundred million dollars, the knives come out, um, and if you want a continuation of a project, you had better show some kind of success. Um, think about think about UAPs and think about the phenomenon. And uh, let's say in 1947, um, the Air Force decides, look, we can't ignore this. If it's a one in ten thousand chance, this is real. And you know, one of the Air Force commanders did say this, right? And one in ten for the, we have to look at it. CIA's of the same opinion. CIA is saying, look, you know, we, we don't understand any of this. Uh, we, but it, chances are, it, you know, it's probably real. Um, uh, but we don't know what it is. It doesn't seem to want to do any major damage to anything, but we need to look at this. And CIA statute basically said they're the, they're the ones that have to pull all this together from the different agencies and what have you. Do you honestly think they weren't doing this? Of course they were doing this. Of course they had programs. But those programs, to get funding for those programs, you have to show some type of progress. Well, how the hell are you going to explain the impossible to anybody? I mean, how are you supposed to make any process at all, I'm a progress at all, when you're dealing with technology, nuts and bolts technology that may be, you know, one to two orders of magnitude greater than what you understand or what you're, what you're, what is possible for you to understand. And, and that becomes readily apparent. So uh, based on my, uh, you know, my working with the intelligence uh, organization, and I dealt with a lot of high tech stuff while I was in CIA. Um, you, if you don't make any project uh, process, you have to sort of put it aside and you have to say, okay, we're not there yet. We don't have the tools to understand this. Let's just wait and see if when new technology comes up, we can revisit it. And I think that's what's been going on, but I don't think, um, I don't think we're there yet. So my, my point is, uh, would be, um, they get, I'm sure that there's money uh, being thrown at this. I think the Navy program, the OSAP and the ATIP program was a very, very small program, really singled out by the Navy. I don't think it was any part of a much greater program that's probably are out there, legacy programs that are out there. Um, uh, they're being hidden, I, I think, for some reason, you know, and I'm sure it's a good reason. Uh, uh, you know, people say, well, we have a right to know. Absolutely, we have a right to know. But seriously, What's not to know? I mean, you know, I mean, if the government is basically not telling you something, 
I'd like to give them the benefit of doubt and say, okay, you're not telling me for, you know, one or two reasons. Number one, we're working on trying to reverse, uh, reverse engineer the technology, even though we don't know how we can do it, but nevertheless, we're making some headway. So they don't want anybody else to know about it. Understandable. Um, uh, or the scary part is they do know and they, they, they end up with something that is so frightening and that would be so frightening to the general population of the world. <laughs> they don't want to discuss it. They know it would cause more problems than it would be worth. So that's sort of where I stand. And so I, I say, well, let them sit on it. They don't own this. We own this. There's nothing they can do that we can't do on the outside, that we can't do privately. We have the brain power out there. We have, and we have the money is out there. We're just trying to get a hold of it, right? To to actually start doing the research there. We shouldn't be waiting for the government to tell us anything. The government exists for one reason, you know. I mean, the, the security establishment. That's a defense of the United States. That's it. So all they're concerned about is that. If you read the you know the National Defense Authorization Act, it's 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 basically saying, look, we're going to look at this so there's no more Pearl Harbors. That's all they want to do. So they're going to look at it. The, and then how can we weaponize the technology? That's what they're about. That's not what you're about. And that's certainly not what I'm about. And what most of the UFO community is about. We want to get to the bottom of this. Why the hell are we waiting for the government who has a single mind on this? Right. And, and they're not. And, you know, and why would they share it? Tell a friend, you tell an enemy. We have to do this. That was the purpose of TTS, TTSA when it started. That's, that's the purpose of MUFON. That's the purpose of every single UFO or UAP organization out there. That's, a, that's what Abby Loeb wants to do, you know, with his antennas and his telescopes and everything like that. It's a great project. Um, uh, but, you know, they want to do it without the help of the government. Would it be nice if the government gave us money? Yes. But they're not going to do that. Obviously, the government has a lot of control over when these events happen with the Navy, the Air Force, whatever that may happen, nuclear sites and such. However, there are numerous other events like the Phoenix Lights that is well documented, however frustratingly lacking in data that we know of because of when it happened. It was just before cell phones had cameras and cameras were largely available. However, there have been public landings like the Aerial School where apparently a craft landed near school children Almost 100 of them observed this, and we've seen the fantastic documentary that came out this year. The Moment of Contact documentary is due out in a couple of weeks from James Fox about the Virginia-Brazil incident as well. Why does the phenomenon choose to show itself, in your opinion, to to some people in such a, a brash way, yet for others it's hidden in the sky at a distance, very spurious, hard to collect data? Why is it so haphazard in, in its presentation, do you think, when it could just land in the middle of New York right now? You know, uh, I grew up in a town called Youngstown, Ohio, <clears throat> rough and tumble. And my Youngstown answer would be because they're assholes, because they basically screw with us, right? They're just screwing with us. And, and you know, now, now that's how I feel inside. It's like... Um, you know, kids I grew up, that's what we would say, you know, they get, quit, quit screwing with our heads, you know, you, you, you bunch of assholes. Well, they, they're doing this. They're constantly doing this. Um, that's that trickster element to it. But it's also an element of, of obfuscation, um, camouflage. There's a reason they're doing that. I don't know what that reason is, um, uh, but it's tiresome. 
Um, uh, and you know, there's an element to it again, that's scary. I mean, I, you know, one of my, one of my friends who, and one of probably one of the best researchers in the field, Robert Hastings, uh, you know, who wrote, you know, UFOs and nukes and confessions, uh, two wonderful books. Um, people haven't read them and you should read them, but, uh, we had conversations and, 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 uh, Robert calls it the meh response. And, um, and I had, uh, you know, and I asked him what he meant by that. And he said, it's, it's funny because he's had experiences and he said, sort of after the experience, he just, you know, even with my wife and I, we had this, this incredible experience and I was really excited. And after like a while, I was like, eh, gotta go on with my life. Um, uh, I, I had a, I'll give you a, one, one quick example. Uh, uh, I was at a, a, a wake for, um, uh, a, a, my, one of my wife's mentors, uh, a very well-known uh, uh, biologist uh, who um, discovered um, uh, the opiate receptors in the brain. Uh, and she's a wonderful, wonderful person, wrote a bunch of books. Uh, and we're at this uh, wake and um, uh, there's a bunch of people gather around, mostly scientists. I didn't know. Um, uh, I ran into a scientist. And I, won't, I, I won't tell her name, Harvard trained and she tells me this story and um, she was um, she lived out West Colorado or someplace. And she was uh, and her husband were getting ready to go out or something. And she had a, she was in her bedroom and she had a robe on and she had a little porch off and she was on the side of a hill and uh, she notices something funny. She goes out on the porch and she looks up and 300 feet away is a disc, right? classic flying saucer, right? Little dome on top, inverted saucers together. Harvard PhD. She's staring at it and she can't believe her eyes. But she knows enough to go in and, and get her husband, you know, and said, you know, get a camera, come on out. So the husband was, you know, ah, what the hell are you doing? You know, we've got to get going. He goes, no, 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 come out, get the camera. And so he comes out with a camera and they're both staying there. Never took a picture. This thing was there, she said, for about two or three minutes. And he never thought of picking that camera up and taking that photograph. It would have been the photograph of the millennia, right? Thing takes off, shoots straight up into the sky. You know, it was like it was there and it wasn't there, just gone. They come back in and they didn't discuss it. Um, at all. They just went ahead, took their showers, got ready, got dressed, went to the, went to the thing. And she said, they just never discussed it as a husband and wife until long after it happened. And they still don't know what to make of it. And I remember Robert, you know, Hastings telling me, yeah, it's sort of like the, you know, this response is like that these things happen. And, and a lot of people, when they have these, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people have had these experience. Go, wow, isn't that strange? I, another one, I, I, you know, a, a young man that I, 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 you know, had a conversation, had been having conversations with for the last six months, you know, telling me about his experience he had driving near White Sands Missile Base at night with a bunch of other military guys, and they get this big light that shines down on the vehicle, and um, they don't know what it is, and somebody's saying it's it's an object or whatever, but it's like a blue light that comes into the vehicle. And they stopped the car, <coughs> and that's all they remember. There was like four or five of them. And 
then the next thing they know, they're just driving down the road to wherever they were going. And it was the first time he'd even mentioned it since it happened. But he mentioned it to me like 20 years later. And he said, I don't know why we didn't even talk about it. It was just something that, so, you know, what's going on here? Um, you know, it's, it's the phenomenon, I think, basically either imposing some type of cloud of, you know, uh, cloudiness over our, 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 our fogginess over our minds, or maybe instructing us not to do that, not to discuss it, not to discuss it openly, or putting it off until long after the event has occurred, uh, you know, once again, it's it's not a uh, a trusted interlocutor by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so, let me give you an example. You know, I, I mentioned this before on another podcast. I was visited once by a quote unquote messenger being. You know, and these little hooded figures that came into my bedroom. This is probably not not longer than five or six years ago, seven years ago, and it was the only other appearance. And he came in and looking at each other and make a long story short, he just disappears. I'm wide awake. Uh, I, you know, not the least bit afraid. And my response wasn't wake up my wife. You wouldn't believe what the hell just came into the bedroom again. It was, eh, you know, went to bed, put the covers up next morning, got up, you know, um, and it was a messenger and I found out my friend died and it was probably it was what it was about. I, I'm sure. But I remember thinking I better call up so-and-so, you know, the head of this, uh, he was the head of this, um, he was a doctor ahead of, ahead of this program that my wife and I were involved in and still are about people that have had these uh, experiences. And, uh, and he said, well, you, you should try to recontact. It was clearly a, a contact. You should go back and contact. And I said, I'm not contacting that. I don't want to contact that. I don't want anything to do with that damn thing. You know, I don't know what the hell it was. I don't want it in my life. I, I didn't want to open up any kind of pathway with that. Uh, and I know a lot of people tell me, ah, oh, you know, you, you know, you, you know, this was, these are invitations. You should be taking these. And I'm saying, well, easy for you to say, if I knew what the hell it was, if it introduced itself and say, Hey, I, are you? My name is, you know, I, I still would be skeptical, highly skeptical of it, but nevertheless, it doesn't give you that opportunity. Does it? It, 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 it just walls itself off. And most experiences are like that. It doesn't allow this, this back and forth, you know, they go, well, it'll come back in three years. It'll pick you up and you have these, those are contact experiences, but can you actually trust those experiences that they are actually what they are? I'd be very doubtful that, that I, I in other words, I wouldn't bet a paycheck on it. Just before, the- seem, you know, very real. Yeah. Thanks for sharing those stories as well. And and that last one you told a little more expanded on the UAP studies podcast. I recommend people check that one out. I think you were on just a week or two ago on, on yeah. that that one. So people should check that out as well, because I think it's a very different to, to what we've discussed on here and I'll complement it very well. Um, before we get to listener questions, Jim, you've been brilliant with your time. I want to ask you one more thing on the legislation moving through Congress shows that a unanimous bipartisan support in a way that's very rare, especially in the US political system. In this legislation, it's strongly suggested that Congress isn't interested in anything man-made and that some whistleblowers are hopefully ready to come forward. How involved are you in To The Stars with this side of things and have you heard any testimony from potential whistleblowers? 
Babbel is one of today's sponsors and they are the best way for you to begin to learn a new language. Immersing yourself in the language of your choice from day one through a whole range of learning styles including podcasts, games and online classes. It's available on desktop or through their app. Babbel's courses are created by didactics experts and focus on real life situations. So if you're holidaying in France and spot a UFO, you can get locals' attention quickly and efficiently. The lessons are as short as 15 minutes and fit into any schedule and can be downloaded to work on offline while on the go. With the help of everyday dialogue exercises and the speech recognition software, learners can practice their pronunciation and regular vocabulary repetition ensures that what is learned is memorised over the long term. I can already hear some of you listeners getting in touch to tell me I should really learn English given my dodgy accent. When you buy a six-month subscription to Babbel, you receive six months extra for free by using the code zen.ai forward slash UFO Babbel. That's U-F-O-B-A-B-B-E-L. Pay for six months and learn for a whole year. Get info and redeem the code at babbel.com forward slash audio. Folks, today is the day you finally decide to make a life-changing decision and learn that new language. Um. I, I'm in touch with um, people involved in the task force, and and usually, but I'm, I'm not officially involved. It's usually unofficial, and and you know, it's just like they call up, ask me questions, things along those lines. Um, but it's moving forward. Um, uh, the uh, um, the big story really is here, and this is through the efforts, and I, you know, of, of mostly Chris Mellon and and, and Lou Elizondo. I think they've done a really spectacular job of, of getting to the right people in Congress into the SISI and HIPSI, you know, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the Armed Services Committee um, and other committees. And basically, uh, um, you know, um, you know, uh, where their primary interlocutors getting the Navy to come in and, 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 and to brief them on this one small aspect. Of, of what was happening. And I think when the uh, congressmen and senators were shown the data um, and shown uh, a much more extensive uh, video uh, videos and um, other data, uh, I think they were sort of taken aback. This whole nonsense of that's out there that, oh, it's, you know, Chinese or it's Russian. I mean, I've said this before countless times. No, it's not. Uh, it absolutely is not. And everybody knows it's not. Everybody knows we have an issue here. And the issue is we don't know what's in our airspace. Um, and uh, and we need to find out what that is. Um, and um, and I know uh, senators and congressmen will use the, well, the, you know, if it is a you know foreign adversary, it really it's not a foreign adversary. If it was a foreign, if it was a foreign adversary, trust me, you know, Russia would be running the world as with China uh, uh, with this technology. No, because there's more. I mean, it's, it's it's not just having that technology. You know, if um, think about it, I mean, it's it's you know, where you create quote unquote drones or or spacecraft, there is so much more involved in that technology. You'd be able to develop so many other types of weapon systems and or other you know technological advances that that we would know this. I would know this. That's all I chased when I was in the agency, right? High technology from foreign foreign gov- that foreign governments were developing. 
So no, you know, it, 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 it's not that. And, and what, what you have is, you know, and I said this before, the cat is, is actually out of the bag. And that, that was basically what all we wanted to do, all TTSA wanted to do when we first were formed. Get the cat out of the bag, get it in front of the people that, that should know about it. And now it's up to the government to figure out what they're going to do. Now, the problem with all this is, is the government now has this big hot potato in their hand. The hell are they supposed to do? They're, they're, so they're going to get twenty scientists and a bunch of other people, and they're going to throw some money at it. And what do you think is going to happen? The same thing that's been going on for the last fifty or sixty or seventy years. There's no there there. I mean, where the hell will you start looking at this? Um, you know, the you can't just get a bunch of uh, you know physicists together and try to solve this issue. It's much, much more complicated. And I think they're finding that out now. I, I had a very long conversation with somebody on the task force, uh, essentially about this, that you can't just take a scientific nuts and bolts view of this. It's much, much more complicated. OSAP has shown that to be the case. Uh, you know, Bigelow did a, Bigelow's team, you know, Calm and, and everybody, George, and they, they did a wonderful job putting this together. Jim McCaskey should get a medal for what he did um, um, uh, regarding regarding this. So it's going to be a very tough road uh, road uh, road to hoe uh, for the any UAP task force. I think they're going to get they're going to they're going to do this though because a lot of people are interested in this, and I think you're going to find a lot more governmental organizations uh, involved in this because now there's money that's going to be allocated uh, to this, and I think a lot of people will be stepping up. Uh, now, what we end up knowing about all this, my uh, my hope is that. At the very least, we start getting pictures, videos out to the public showing them that, yes, this is real. That's the first step. Um, and then after that, you know, the government will have to choose how much they can release or not. I'm just hoping that. that but, 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 but let me let me add, I, I, I don't. I, I'm not sanguine that the government is actually going to do all this. I mean, I hope it does, but that's why I think there is a desperate need for a um, uh, a private organization with uh, sufficient funds and a great organizational structure, and no need to do the quarterly. You know, uh, this is what we this is what we did with your money. You know, and here's what we discovered. You know, because that's how the government works. You you either have progress or you don't get the money. So we need something a little bit different, uh, uh, a structure that's a little bit different. You see, I'm I, sorry. No, no, that, that, that sounds amazing. And I'm just going to add, I think if we can get that that real quality picture, ideally that real quality video, you know, we hear about the mythical black triangle coming out of the water or, you know, the additional parts of the gimbal video, the tic-tac videos that are, are chopped off at either end potentially. If we could get that on the nine o'clock news throughout the world to say, look, this is this is real and here's a really good video that you can't deny is something truly extraordinary. I think getting that public backing would be huge for the subject and really help. Right now, it seems like it's a very small corner of the world in, in the UFO community really fighting to try and keep this conversation going. And at times, it we open the door a little bit and you hear it's on the news and it has its little cycle and 60 minutes get involved and HBO create a three-part, four-part series and then then it goes away. And it's just trying to get it back up, that momentum. You're absolutely right. And, you know, I always tell people, I generally tend to be an optimist. Um, eventually, eventually, we will get those pictures. We will get those videos. I mean, we're bound to get them. Um, um, I, I don't think it's um, um, 
uh, you know, a coincidental that in the last 15 to 20 years, we're seeing more and more and more of this coming out. And I think people like you and other podcasters are really uh, doing a great work, uh, you know, bringing this out and keeping this out in front of the public. Um, and I think that's extraordinarily helpful. Um, uh, but the evidence and, and you trying to tell people this, the evidence is so overwhelming. Um, so many people have seen this, you know, and, you know, I don't believe in credibility. I think, you know, a housewife in, you know, in Kentucky is just as credible to me, uh, you know, as a uh, scientist, you know what I mean? You know, working for DOD. I mean, somebody sees this, they're honest, good people. They see it, they see it. We should take them at face value uh, and we should look into it. I mean, uh, Jacques idea of, you know, his, his wonderful book, Trinity, that just came out is a perfect example of what should be done. Um, and these, these, you know, on-site studies um, are, are really needed because, you know, the only people that deal in anecdotes, you know, are, 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 are really, you know, uh, detectives, you know, and, and, um, and, and maybe, you know, um, uh, anthropologists or whatever. They, they look at things, they see things, but they have to put it all together. So they go out in the field, nothing's repeatable, uh, you know, so they don't have the, their, their scientific paradigm is a little bit different. It's a little more open. And they're able to look at things and observe things and then then make these conclusions, scientific conclusions. This is probably what this is. We have to really focus on that. And um, and uh, we don't have anything. I mean, we have you know, Jacques and Paula Harris, you know, were two people that went out there and did that, you know, and and we need a hell of a lot more than that and a hell of a lot more money behind them. So. Jim, let's see if we can get through some of these listener questions for you. And thank sure. you to everyone who sent them in. Uh, hopefully I've got through some just in the body of the interview and in Jim's fantastic answers as well. Um, the first one is from Luigi. Luigi asks, do you believe there's a unified explanation for all the different phenomena? If so, how do you reconcile the tricksters with the more benevolent encounters? What was it, the last part of that? How do I reconcile the the trickster element of the phenomenon with the more benevolent encounters? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Uh, um, you know, John Alexander pointed this out uh, at a uh, at a conference, and he had, he came over to visit me, and he showed me his uh, his slides. And one of the very last slides was he had all these different elements of the phenomena, you know, sort of all in a circle, you know, and um, you know there was the um, ETs and, you know, and there was, you know, the nuts and bolts side of it. And then there was, you know, precognition and there was all these psi elements. And there's 26 different psi elements, right? Psychokinesis, clairvoyance, remote viewing, blah, blah, blah. They, I, I do believe they all are connected. I, I sort of feel that. I mean, and I, I think they are certainly all connected. They're all part of our natural universe that we we some people experience. I remember Hal Putoff telling me, "Yeah, everybody can remote view, but not everybody can remote view well." It's like all every, you know, yeah. Some people are good at telepathy, but not all people. And some people are really good at it, and some people are just sort of mildly good at it. So I think these things all exist. I mean, in 1862, the British Psychical Association, I think, proved without a doubt that all these things exist. Right? You know, the tele the telekinesis exists, levitation exists. These were all the scientists, the best scientists of the day. They prove that they have, that's, that's all, you know, that's all there. I mean, the Russians have proved it. The U S has looked at it and say, yes, it exists. We can't control it. We don't know how it works. The problem isn't the evidence. The problem is a theory to explain the evidence, right? That's what we're missing in all this. Now, when you get to the, so yes, I believe there is, is something going on there. What I haven't figured out 
and I, it's one of my biggest problems is NDEs, near-death experiences, and this whole idea of life after death. You know, is that somehow connected to this also? You know, is that, so that's where we get into the framework of quantum mechanics and, and consciousness once again, right? How does this all fit in? Do we ever die? Am I looking at Andy here as a, Andy as this congealed mass uh, that looks like you do, right? Or am I talking to an energy pattern? Right. Are we all energy patterns? Is my computer an energy pattern? You know, as, are we just, you know, sort of communicating like that? Because generally that's what you are, right? And if uh, you were to pass away or I were to pass away, I mean, does that energy go someplace else? I believe it does. Uh, energy can neither be created nor destroyed, according to Einstein. So I believe it goes someplace else. The trickster element, that's probably the hardest element to figure out because I don't know why it's there. Um, you know, um, when, when a group of aliens comes down to you and tells you, we're going to land on the White House lawn on April 15th, you know, 2023, and you experience them, they're in your room, you can see them, they touch you, you can feel the touch, they're as real to you as you are to me and me are to you, and they tell you this. And then what are you supposed to do with that? It's real. And I've had this happen. Friends of mine come to me and said, hey, you know, they told me they're, and I said, no, you know, it's, it's you know, take a, take a message from the Oxford Book of Millennialism, which I have up here somewhere. I mean, countless number of instances where it usually happens in a religious context, right? Where somebody says, ah, oh, the end of the world is going to be in such and such. It never happens. And this is what the trickster element, this is what's so bad about this, because you take a really bright, intelligent person, and you make them look like an idiot, right? So how do you how do you counter that? You you basically say, no, I'm not going to tell anybody. Thanks for the information, but that's probably not real. You sort of have to stand up to that. You have to have a conversation and quit looking at the phenomenon in some kind of awe and looking at it in a way that you know you know are you trying to mess up my life? Why are you doing this? We have to ask those questions, if it's even possible to ask those questions. But we have to sort of go back at it. You know, when I call them assholes earlier, I hope they don't come visit me tonight and say, what the hell are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I, you know, but, but at the same time, you know, they're not playing. They're not playing with us fairly. You know, it's not a it's not an equal playing field. And we have to be very, very careful of that. Jim, you may regret uh, throwing out the date of April 15th, 2023, because that will go all over the internet now as a date where the aliens are going no, to no, land. Yeah. That's absolutely... <laughs> just made that up. I, I promise you, I just made that up. Let me add one more thing here. Uh, this is the last podcast I'm going to be doing probably probably until next year, and maybe not ever again. And, and, um, and the reason why... Uh, people have talked to me and said, please don't do that. You know, just, just, but go on. But I find that I find I'm repeating myself. I, I find that the podcast I've been on, I, you know, there isn't much I can add. Um, you know, I, I, I like I'm just throwing out stuff and it's not being helpful to anybody uh, because I can't give them any, any answers. And I feel bad about that. I feel, I feel in a way, you know, um, we're letting people down. I, I just feel we want to make, I want to make some, headway first, you know, where we can actually point to something. So maybe, maybe I'll do these more when more, more information comes out, you know, or I come up with something that I think is, is, is interesting, but um, I heard great, great things about you. And that's why I, you know, figured I'd end it with you, but 
No, thanks. And honestly, I think people do appreciate just hearing people like yourself come out and, and have those conversations. And my audience is different to the UAP Studies podcast audience at large and others that you've been on as well, Calling All Beings. I know you were on with DJ and co. So that those conversations are appreciated because there was a time when people like yourself were just names on bits of paper and talked about as a talking head on a documentary. So it's nice that you, you do this and hopefully you, you do come back on various pods. But let's make the most of it just in case it is then with some more listener questions. A really good one from Dave. Do you think the cognitive and space-time manipulation abilities of the phenomenon are technological or a natural ability? Wow, that's a great question. Uh, both. Um, uh, I remember talking to Hal about this. Um, you know, um, uh, Hal is very much into altering the space time, you know, metric. And, and, um, we have a, we actually have one of our projects actually, uh, with TTS, um, is, is, um, is concerning the space time metric and what you can do and can't do. The problem with this is, is, and as Hal pointed out, you get into uh, attendant problems, uh, when you start talking about that with, with time, space, uh, uh, and, and you get into intentionality, uh, you get into, um, uh, 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 well, uh, let me put it this way. There's a wonderful philosopher who was a religious philosopher who was very big during the sixties and seventies, Alan Watts. I don't know if you've ever heard of Alan Watts, but, uh, you know, wonderful. Every, every once in a while, if I want to tune up, I'll listen to Alan, Alan's, uh, talks, uh, on, on this whole concept of, uh, of religion and who we are as human beings. Um, uh, you know, th- there's, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, you know, you could talk about, and I'm, I'm not a physicist, so I can't really get into too many details here. And I'm certainly not an expert on quantum mechanics and, and consciousness by any stretch. Uh, I think those are areas that are just, uh, you know, we're just barely touching, uh, touching them right now. But I think the space-time metric has to do uh, with consciousness also, and that they're intertwined in some way, and that our intentions can somehow affect that. Um, and um, and I know Hal was trying to explain it to me once, and I remember listening to him, and I remember saying, "Oh, that's absolutely brilliant." And then completely forgetting, uh, you know, uh, you know, after he said it, I mean, I, I just, I, I try to recreate it in my mind, uh, what he had, what he had, what he had told me. Um, and this is all part of some of the brief, briefings that I had, the classified ones too, about this, this, this topic. And that's what got me all spun up, uh, wound up. And as my wife said, you know, I had that three mile stare that lasted for three months. Um, um, when, 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 when it happened, because they were being explained, it was being explained by experts. And I, I you know, I'm not the, the brightest bulb, you know, uh, you know, in the chandelier, I'm just not, I'm a, I have a, I'm a man of maybe average intelligence and sometimes skirts up into the above average intelligence for a short period. And I come back down, so, um, and I have a great deal of literary amnesia. I read quite a bit and I don't, re- I don't retain a lot. I don't know why it's always been my whole life. It's been that way. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 I do know that they're interconnected in some form or fashion, but I don't think it's within my power to be able to explain it to anybody. 
It's been a tough few years for many of us, juggling a lot that life has thrown our way. As someone with a young family, finances have never been more important, especially with the soaring cost of living day to day. That's where Credit.com can help. There is a way you can begin to take back some control of your financial situation. Extra Credit is a product from Credit.com that gives you unmatched credit coverage. You might have checked your credit score on a free app then when trying to make a purchase on credit, like a car, found it wasn't quite what you expected. Extra credit from credit.com gives you access to all 28 FICO scores to see exactly what lenders will see. Extra credit not only gives you access to those 28 FICO scores, but also helps guard your identity with $1 million ID insurance, dark web scans, and data breach alerts. Plus, you can get cash rewards for selecting personalised offers. As someone who, as a student, racked up a lot of debt, I can relate to having to rebuild my credit score as an adult. There's no better time to do this than now. The past can't be changed, but you can begin to rebuild your future today. To sign up for extra credit, go to credit.com forward slash that UFO and get started there. To sweeten the deal, you can even get the first seven days absolutely free. It's just $24.99 plus tax a month after the free trial. You can cancel any time. So go check out extra credit today and start working on your credit goals. Uh, question from Tad. Do you see any potential danger in the trend for experimentation with CE5 or human-initiated contact? Yes. Yes, actually, I do. And I think I've spoken about this before in other podcasts. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, 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 a big fan of, of CE5 and, 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 and not, not because I, I don't think it's worthwhile. I think it needs to be done by people that are very well tethered uh, to the ground, that have a very, very strong sense of themselves, that are very strong emotionally and mentally. I, I don't consider myself in that bracket, by the way. Um, and the reason I say that is because I had a friend of mine who was running a part of the remote viewing program. And um, he actually came to work for me while, while I was still at CIA. And I, and I was... I had heard about the remote viewing program and I was reading a book and it turns out the book I was reading was about his experiences. So I questioned him about it and he said, yeah, that's actually me. And they were using a pseudonym and, um, and he told me the story of uh, one of the remote viewers who went out and never came back. Uh, Nan had a family uh, and um, he essentially became catatonic. Um, this is not, one example, it's many examples I have heard of people that have been affected physically, mentally, uh, I'd say spiritually in some respects, but that's more or less, you know, questioning, you know, their life after that. But it's not something to be trifled with. It's like a Ouija board. It's, um, you know, communicating with the dead, things along those lines. You don't know whether you're dealing with elementals, lower spiritual beings, higher spiritual beings. Um, and if you want an example of that, a good Catholic example of that, there was a wonderful book written not well, about 20, 30 years ago called by Mordecai, uh, no, um, God, what's his name? Um, father, uh, father Malachi Martin, and it was called hostage to the devil. I don't know if you ever come across that fascinating book. I don't know if you can get it anymore, but. I, I, I would finish a chapter, put it down, couldn't go back for a month. And, and he talked about possession and the idea of possession and being possessed by uh, lower, lower elementals or, you know, what he would call demons. 
and what have you. And these guys are Jesuit, probably had a couple PhDs. Uh, uh, and, but he was a very, very bright, bright guy. He was always on uh, uh, late John, long John Nebel and Art Bell. He was on Art Bell for a long time. And he would come on every once in a while. If anybody can belongs to coast to coast, you can go back and pull some of this stuff up. But um, yeah, you got to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. I don't encourage seances, uh, trips with the Ouija board, CE5, anything like that, unless, again, you're with other people, you're with an experienced person. It, to me, it's like taking ayahuasca or experimenting with LSD or psilocybin. If you do it, you know, in, 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 a, in a controlled situation, sure, go ahead. But don't try it by yourself and don't do it just for the hell of it. Final listener question from Tim. Uh, how has the US government been nearly 100% successful in keeping the nature of this phenomenon secret from its citizens and the world? Is it by clandestine design or simply the in- indeterminacy of the phenomenon? I think it's a little bit about that. I think I think the government, you know, again, as I said before, um, I don't think the government ever abandoned uh, their interest in UAPs, you know, ever since Roswell in 47. I think it, it was then that they really had, uh, they really had concerns uh, about, um, uh, uh, about the Soviets at the time and, you know, clogging up the communication lines, using it in psychological warfare against us. And these are very, very real concerns. And, you know, we, we have a, a you know, a, a problem with, uh, presentism you know what i mean this whole idea we're looking at things now you know through our uh, through our eyes you know back what they were like in the 40s and the 50s back in the 40s and the 50s it was a very dangerous time and people were afraid they were very very afraid and um so you had these groups and uh and you know and you know america was very young back then i mean we didn't have the communication system was pretty primitive uh, many people didn't have phones, and then when the one day had phones, you know, they had these lines. I mean, you, I was young enough to remember party lines, you know, where you had a phone you shared with other people in your neighborhood, right? You can actually pick up the phone and hear them talking and hope the hell they get off so you can make your phone call. So it was pretty primitive back in those days. And the Soviet Union was bounding on, you know, on the thing where we're going to take over America, we're going to bury you, and, you know, and they, they had a nuclear weapon, we had nuclear weapons. So there was this whole element of we didn't know what the phenomenon actually was. We didn't know whether the Soviets were going to actually use it, uh, you know, psychologically against us or to, you know, create panic. So they they did that. And I don't know if there was ever, I mean, I'm at the Robertson panel, you know, where the CIA comes out and said, look, you know, we really got to do everything in our power to dissuade people from doing this. We'll get with, you know, uh, the media, you know, entertainment industry, <laughs> try to poo-poo all this. Um they wanted to do that. I never heard of, I never seen the actual evidence that they actually had a, you know, a, a, a considered program where they actually did that. But if you had something you really wanted to hide, and this was before Freedom of Information Act, I mean, how would you hide it? Well, you know, well, this is what Eisenhower talked about, about the military industrial complex. After World War II, I mean, before World War II, we didn't have that. There was no military industrial contract. After World War II, we realized if there's any way we were going to compete on a national basis, we'd have to have a military industrial complex. We needed industry to basically stay ahead technologically, uh, you know, because, you know, with paperclip, we had all these German scientists, the Russians took German scientists. We realized where the Russians were on a lot of, and, you know, on a lot of technologies. We knew we had to keep those up. Missiles were being developed, things along those lines. 
So um, how do how do you how do you sort of hide that? Well, you hide it basically through you know industry, you know, and you basically say to them, "I'm going to give you you know hundred million dollars, and I want you to work on this program." You know, so whether the program is going to be developing a new missile, or maybe it's you know, looking into the phenomenon or looking into, you know, the Roswell crash and trying to figure out how this technology works. It's a pretty easy way to do it. Um, and then the other thing is you you restrict it. Uh, you have a bigoted program. You allow only certain people, maybe one person on the National Security Council, maybe three or four people in the Pentagon. You don't necessarily tell people that are going to be replaced every two or three years, like a lot of people are. Uh, that includes, you know, maybe the president, maybe the, um, you know, chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, Joint Chiefs of Staff. You, you always want to have somebody who knows just in case something comes up. But particularly if it's a topic where you're really not making a lot of progress anyway, the hell you want to brief everybody for? I mean, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's like, you know, bringing politicians, you know, that come and go into into highly classified programs. Well, if they're on if they're the, uh, part of the gang of eight. Or they're a part of sissy and hipsy. Yeah, those are the places you might want to tell. But if you wanted to hide something, really hide something, you might go to the head of sissy or hipsy and say, this is a very special program we can't share. Here are the reasons why. You're telling somebody in the government. You know, is that good enough? I don't know. Probably not, in my opinion. Yeah, you know. But, but I do know that there were decisions that were made in the 60s and the 70s and my information doesn't go farther than that, where they actually did discuss, do we bring this topic up, this phenomenon, this this UAP, UFO, but also with the phenomenon, do we bring this up? Because there's plenty of evidence, right, that the military had that it exists. Well, you have to sort of look at that, and, you know, they made the decision not to. Um, I, I don't think it was a wise decision in the end, but nevertheless, I wasn't there, and, you know, I don't have a 50,000-foot view either. Thank you to the listeners for sending in those questions. And sorry if I didn't get to the many uh, ones that you did send in. But maybe next time if Jim does go back to the podcasting circuit down the road. Jim, you've been incredibly generous with your time. Do you have two more minutes to finish off with that quick fire? It can be as long as you need it to be. Just a few words on each round. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, you wanted me to or... No, so I'm going to throw a few things out at you, um, just a few words, phrases, and if you can just give us a couple of words or sentences on each one, that would be great. Yes, I'm more than happy. Awesome. So uh, the first one is your opinion on Skinwalker Ranch. Oh, my opinion on Skinwalker, totally real. I know everybody that was involved in it. I know them personally. Um, uh, uh, I, 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 I am a inveterate believer. Yes. Skinwalker Ranch. I recommend those books, the ones that Knapp, George Knapp and uh, Colm Kelleher wrote. I recommend them both books, uh, particularly the second one. Um, yes, you, yes. Skinwalker at the Pentagon is an absolutely excellent book. It, 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 it brings up and I'll, I'll make this short, but with, with Jim Lakatsky and the uh, Bigelow people, basically came up was was look it's not nuts and bolts it's much much more than that and if you read any of the books by uh Artie six killer clark i don't know if you're familiar with them she talks about indigenous people in, in central and south america and then also in, in north america about their religious or their their cosmological beliefs and and what have you you're going to get the same thing from them i um, mean those are extraordinarily books uh extraordinary books she's written so I always recommend Skinwalker and, and Artie Six Killer Clarks if you really want to get into sort of the uh, Native American or, or uh, um, uh, early 
American uh, belief systems and cosmologies um, in in the Americas. Yeah. Uh, next up would be Bob Lazar. Yeah, uh, I that's a tough, tough, tough one. Uh, I um, uh, originally uh, gave Bob Lazar a lot of credit. I know George. Knapp is a firm believer in what Bob says. I made a comment on a podcast, oh, I don't know, maybe six six months ago, or I said, yeah, I sort of believe what, what Bob was. I never met Bob. I didn't know him, you know, it said too. And then I got, um, I got reamed um, uh, <laughs> by a lot of my friends saying, no, 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 you know, don't say that. Uh, uh, I, the answer is I, 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 I don't know. I mean, George, George believes Bob Lazar. I think there might be something to it, but I, uh, I guess I, you know, I, I took a second look and I, I'm just going to raise my hands and say, I don't know. That's fair. Um, your thoughts on the Wilson Davies memo. I won't comment on that. Okay. Hot topic in the news right now on social media. Um, your biggest disappointment or regret in the last five years of this journey. Um, I think we under uh, my biggest really my biggest regret was TTSA underestimating um, the interest um, uh, in in un- underestimating the amount of people uh, that would be interested in 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 making a uh, a public uh, uh, entity that would investigate the phenomenon. In other words, we thought it would be way more people would have seen the videos and would have jumped on board and, and maybe not even with TTSA, but with some other organization. It didn't really matter. I was very uh, sort of disappointed. I, I, uh, and then it just dawned on me and, you know, and John Alexander, who I, I, you know, I, I, this is, he's a mentor of mine. And I, I know and he told me, he said, Jim, he said, this is not on the list. It's like number 50 on the list of most people. And he explained to me and, and, and I, and I how he's come to believe we are a very, very small group um, uh, of fellow travelers here, the UFO community, you, me, everybody who's listening out there, very, very small. Uh, we think we're large, you know, there's a poll, Roper, you know, polls that say, oh, 60% of people believe in this and 70% of people, quote unquote, had some kind of experience. That may be the case, but these people sure as hell don't, don't um, spend uh, very much of their time on this topic. It's a very small niche. And, and I'm very proud, though, of what has happened, that we actually got the greatest country in the world, or, or at least the most powerful country in the world, listening. That was the big deal, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And that wasn't just TTSA. That was everybody. That was everybody who came before. TTSA just happened to be there at that right time to bring these things out. But it was this long history of people, you know, that I've mentioned earlier before. and. Um, really have did all the hard hard work on this and you know and that i'm sort of glad that 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 came that way but my disappointment is we can't seem to we can't seem to work together we can't seem to you know these all these disparate ufo and you know organizations we just this can't seem to, to pull it all together and and um you know that's sort of a disappointment because we're all getting old. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm old. Jacques Vallée is not, you know, a spring chicken. All these people are not, you know, we're, we, and we talked about this when I was out at that conference, you know, in California. I mean, it's just 20 of us. What, 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 what are we going to do? We're not getting any younger. And um, 
we have to rely on, I guess, people like you to 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 move this move this forward when we go. You know, I don't want to go anytime soon, but uh, you know, nevertheless. Well, we hope not. And I was going to ask you next, what were you most proud of? And you've answered that. So let me finish with, what do you think right now, as we speak, is the single biggest obstacle holding back further progress in the UFO discussion? Oh, boy. I, I would just have to say what I said earlier. It's, it's, the, it's the phenomenon itself. It doesn't give us enough. It, 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 we have, we have overwhelming evidence that it exists, but it is not the kind of evidence that would, that, that you and I can look at it and say, fine, but it is not the kind of evidence that our, our uh, scientific establishment would take at face value and say, yes, yes. The problem is, as I've said before, there's no there there. We know remote viewing exists. We know it works. Absolutely works. We can't explain how it works. And because we can't explain how it works, it's not taken seriously. That's why CIA stopped the program in 1995. Um, uh, and, you know, the military, I'm sure, picked it back up again. But try to find out. I mean, you know, I, you know how, how it works, how telepathy works, how anything works. We, we, you know, we, we have these unbelievable radar images and I'm, I'm sure gun camera footage, much better than what you've seen, uh, of, you know, Tic Tac and all these other, you know, craft. But, you know, you know, people still talk about, oh, those are in radar anomalies or weather anomalies or this and that. And the reason they're doing that is because we don't have definitive proof for them, these scientists, to say, look, this is what, this is what it is. We need that one picture. We need that one video, you know, that is it, that, that was not altered or couldn't have been altered or anything like that to say, okay, this is this is who it is. Do you remember remember that movie that came out with Mel Gibson called Signs? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yes, yeah. and you know these aliens invaded, and there were these real creepy looking, you know, ETs. We need something like that. Uh, hopefully, not that though. I mean, I don't want these clowns come showing up, you know, but we need something like that. Well, do you know what? I've got a six-year-old son uh, and a one-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter who know their daddy talks about aliens on a podcast and he's talking to a man tonight about aliens on his podcast. I'm not intelligent enough to, to research it and do anything about it, but I hope generations like that coming up can at least carry on the work that starts now and has been going on for decades and maybe they are the ones that will really make the progress on this discussion. Maybe, maybe so. I think it's going to be your generation, though. I hope so. I mean, I'm 36, so I've got a good, hopefully double that left at least. But I'm Scottish, so, you know, there's always that against me. Um, <laughs> listen, Jim, um, I hope this isn't your last appearance, uh, indefinitely. Um, but in case it is for a while, is there anything you'd like to say to the audience at large and leave them with one final message? Yeah, I, I try to leave this every time I have a podcast. Look, do not lose faith. Do not lose hope. And if you had experiences, if you're an experiencer or a contactee or just have a general interest in this, there will be an end result. And I think the end result uh, hopefully will come in your lifetime. Uh, maybe not in my lifetime, but in your lifetime. But you have to keep your nose to the grindstone. You have to keep an interest. You have to keep plugging away at this. This is an absolutely fascinating subject. I can't think of anything more fascinating than this. This to me is, just, it is the story of the millennia and whether people understand it or not, 
And uh, you just have to stay, stay the course and keep the faith. And if you're bothered by this, it won't kill you. It just won't. You just, you have to basically just, you know, take it for what it is and, you know, and put it in its place. If it bothers you, put it in another place. You can do that. You can just take it and move it, move it, put it someplace and then, you know, go on with your life. It shouldn't affect you if it does affect you that, that strongly. Then again, you might be just the opposite in, in doing it. So I guess what I'm saying is fair forward. Um, um, I, I view you all as fellow, fellow travelers. And I, um, I am absolutely astounded that anybody would want to listen to me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've spent my, my whole life in the background someplace. Now I'm up here yapping and I'm very self-conscious about it because I, I, I don't feel like I'm helping anybody. And, and, um, um, by just regurgitating the same stuff over and over and over again, but there are lots and lots of people out there in the government and all the governments that are fascinated by this and they're never going to let this thing drop again. It won't. Cat is out of the bag. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of the little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little bit. Meditative game of state full on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs, and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. Consider your heart, consider time, consider your space, consider your
That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more.